This is Jeremy and Eric here with Bucket Talk, powered by Brunt. This week we are here with Brandon Reed, aka Poolvolution on Instagram. But before we take a deep dive into the pool technician world, Eric, what's been going on? This is Bucket Talk, a weekly podcast for people who work in the trades and construction that aren't just trying to survive, but have the ambition and desire to thrive. The opportunity in the trades and construction is absolutely ridiculous right now. So if you're hungry, it's time to eat. We discuss what it takes to rise from the bottom to the top with people who are well on their way and roll up their sleeves every single day. All right, all right. Since we just celebrated the one year that we talked about last episode, we decided we were going to do the first team offsite. So we peeled out a day early on the week, midday on a Thursday. We trailered up the ATVs and the side-by-sides, and we headed to Franconia Notch area up in New Hampshire in a small town called Bethlehem. We went up. We had a nice dinner Thursday evening at yeah, Reckless the Brewery, right? Yeah. Good, strong cocktails, would you say? Or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was good stuff. It was a blast up there. Um, uh, beautiful this time of year. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know if anybody's ever driven up through the notch, but it's cool seeing the rocks on either side. It's definitely a, a cool trip, especially in the autumn, I guess. Oh, yes, the autumn, yep. Fall leaf peepers just <laughs> popping off right now. We had ourselves a mean tournament, a bumper pool, which you did beat me in early on, but not, <laughs> not two out of three, that's for sure. Oh. And then the next day, we carried those trailers up about 40 minutes to Groveton and got a ranger from Moms, which is a big ATV dealer up there, and we set out on the trails, and half the team had probably ridden before, half the team never had, and tell us how that went, Jeremy. Yeah, we blew a tire the first five minutes <laughs> into the freaking trip. <laughs> <laughs> we give Henry control just to show everybody what's going on, blows a tire, then we got to wait 45 minutes for another ATV to, yeah, to show typical, up. Typical lesson learned, showing off, trying to send things sideways, <laughs> somehow punctures a, a hole like three inches up on the sidewall, which the only way possible is to be driving like a total total animal. But it wouldn't have been an ATV trip with us if we didn't lose somebody for a long period of time. We still will never get the story, but we had to double back on one of our guys and uh, somehow the ATV was in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> how did it happen? What? It was good. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. fine. I'm fine. All right. I'm fine. All right. All right. But uh, I mean, all in all, it was good. Everybody was safe. Everybody came home healthy, and, and it was a good team building experience. So I was super pumped about it. Yep. We live to fight another day. And my guess is the next one will, will be this winter on higher horsepower machines, snowmobiles. So we'll probably have to sign some waivers and do some insurance <laughs> type stuff. But I might not get the invite. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> all right. Today, we're here with Brandon Reed. Brandon Reed is a pool technician, goes by the Instagram handle Poolvolution. Welcome, Brandon. Hey, 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 how you doing? Glad to be here, guys. Appreciate being on your podcast. Awesome. I'm glad to have you. You got a pretty good Instagram going. You know, that's what everyone tells me. <laughs> I don't think of it that way that much, but uh, you know, to me, it's just what I do on the daily basis and you know, we got Gramps involved in it also. I don't know if you've seen Gramps at all. On oh, yeah. Instagram. Yep. Yep. And, uh, you know, we just a bunch of boys just having fun, brother. That's all it is. You guys are out of California? Yep. We're in Southern California. We're about an hour away, based out of Los Angeles. 
Awesome. So give us a little bit of background about yourself. How'd you get into it? Where'd you start? As far back as it makes sense, where you grew <laughs> up, as far back so, as you want to go. Well, you guys are going to give me PTSD already. <laughs> <laughs> Basically in school, man, I was never good at school. I just, this didn't serve me anything. I couldn't get involved. I just couldn't pay attention unless it was something I was interested in. Then I would, you know, ace everything. But if I wasn't interested in it, there was no way anybody was going to get me to do something that I didn't want to do. So graduated high school, went straight to working for my dad, who owns a uh, air conditioning heating company and worked with him till I was about 24. And that was right around the 2009, 2010, right when everything took a dive, you know, the boom with the housing market and yeah. They were giving anybody uh, a loan with the heartbeat. <laughs> yep. So it all went kind of slow from there. So there really wasn't any air conditioning work. All our contracts with the big apartment complexes and all that stuff, it kind of really swindled down because they were having their own maintenance, taking classes and doing a lot of the preventative work and the easy stuff themselves now. So after twiddling my thumbs for a couple of months, I'm at this guy's house. It's my cousin's friend. You know, I see him roll up in this nice new truck and he looks like he's not even dirty. And he's got a couple of hoses in the back of his truck and he's got a pool in the back of his truck. And I go, what's that guy do? Oh, he cleans pools. I go, you can make money by cleaning people's pools. He's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. So I talked to that guy for a little bit. And next thing I knew, I was working for him. You know, low wages. I wasn't making anything. But to me, it was just fun learning a new trade. And then from there, it just went from hanging out with that guy for a little bit. Then all of a sudden, that same guy, his name was Robert. We started building pools together. And then from building pools... For about six to eight years, I'm where I'm at now to where I'm dabbling in a little bit of everything from remodeling, uh, maybe build a couple pools during the year and a lot of uh, equipment repairs and installs. Everything that has to do with a pool other than uh, weekly servicing it where you're cleaning it. That's crazy. So were you like doing gunite pools and stuff like that? You're actually yes. designing them and, and pouring them, doing the entire system? Yeah, that's the problem with us. When we first started, man, we didn't know any better and we were doing everything ourselves. And, uh, you know, we were going to a rental company, uh, renting out the little bobcats to the bigger bobcats and you know, doing our elevation and framework and, and digging the pool. And then uh, the only thing we didn't do would be, see, when you build a pool around here, it's gunite pools and or vinyl liner. But vinyl liner, where I'm at, you don't really see too much of that. And why, why is that? Because of the sun and, and temps and stuff? or To us, it's kind of like, if you want the best of the best, you're going to go with a gunite pool. That's why I got a vinyl pool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Think of it like Jeff Bezos is getting a gunite pool. He's not getting a vinyl pool. Maybe, maybe marble pool, maybe marble pool, but. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's like one of those things is like, do you want a, a Honda or do you want a Mercedes? And the Mercedes is going to be a gunite pool. Vinyl liner, they're nice because now you can do all kinds of crazy different things. And they got fiberglass out there now, which they've had for a while. 
Yeah, so I've seen them on like the trucks that they bring the whole pool already molded and drop it right in. It's like an insert. Yeah, and it's a lot cheaper because like the pools we're building, especially right now with the material shortage and everything else, you're a minimum of seventy five thousand. Um, and then if you go with vinyl liner, you can cut that price to nearly 50-60%. And then uh, fiberglass is almost in the same price range as your vinyl. That's crazy. Have you guys had to coordinate a fiberglass pool? No. The only thing we do is gunite because that's all we really know. Yeah. The problem with f- fiberglass and vinyl liners is there's not much of a layer in between the liner and, and the dirt. Yeah. Or the fiberglass and the dirt. They don't last as long as gunite pools, but gunite pools has their own problems over time as well. Yeah. Vinyl liner is just a liner and they concave the walls because, you know, all that pressure in the water, those pool, you know, it's going to press out all that weight. So yep. they come down on the walls on the incline, usually like a 45 degree angle. So all that water that's holding that liner will push. Now they got other panels and stuff too that they use and all that that I've seen back east. But for some reason, that's just not the way we do things over here. Everything we do is, I want to say, the most advanced as you can get when it comes to a swimming pool. Just because we are SoCal and we're all year round. Like yeah. There's not one, we're 365 days out of the year. We don't close pools down here at all. Yep. That's a good point. You get a year. It's not like 100 days of summer up here in New England. You're getting yeah, worth right. the investment. I mean, my pool, I inherited this <laughs> mess of a pool and I was going to fill it in. It was either, you know, empty it out, have the kids and the dogs be around an empty pool or try to get it running. And I got it running, but it's a liner pool. It's been patched like a million times. We got it running and it's, it's good. The kids love it. But there's a lot to getting your pool running just on your own. I mean, I know a lot of people call you to, to get it running or deal with installs or pump problems or filter problems. But like I was hitting YouTube. I'm like, I got this. I can figure this out myself. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. it's a freaking nightmare. I'm missing baskets and strainers and, you know, the plugs are still in the pool from it being winterized. It was just, just a freaking mess. Well, like I tell everybody when they call me, they're like, I have this pool. And then the first thing I go, I'm sorry. <laughs> you do not want a pool if, if anything you want it for your kids but if you want some type of money in your bank account and, and and not have any bs issues don't own a pool they are the biggest money pits time wasting for what they are than anything other than a boat i was, gonna, I was just gonna say what would you say about a boat or a pool because those i'd two rather things. own i'd rather own the boat yeah, the pool never stops. You're working on that thing more than you're ever in it, but they are a lot of work and a lot of maintenance, and they don't treat you right. Because you know, as soon as you throw a hundred dollars in there, it always turns into a thousand. Now, the reason why I like the pool industry too over the HVAC industry is because when I install a five-ton condenser unit, I'm not seeing that customer again for another five to ten years. With a pool, I'm seeing my customers every four to six months because there's constantly always something breaking. There's always something going on. Yep. And as long as I'm not a, a dick and I'm just get things done the way I'm supposed to, I got a customer. Yeah, I got a customer for as long as that customer just decides to keep that pool. Yeah, it's just like, please get it running. I want it operational. I got this party coming up 4th of July. I need this. And yeah. you're like, sure, I'll be over. Yeah, and I got no problem with it. I got no problems with it. And, the thing is, I busted my ass for 12, 15 years now to where 
I never have to leave my city now. So oh, nice. I'm just like back in the day, you know, we were traveling uh, to all the, you know, West Coast areas like Malibu, Irvine, uh, Newport. Now, being in Southern California, I would assume that there's a lot of pool companies, but, you know, it seems like a lot of people are having a hard time finding labor and nobody wants to do this stuff anymore. So do you see that kind of now all of a sudden you're taking on more and more customers, your business is more secure than it used to be? Yeah, I would never say the pool industry is secure. Like my dad always told me when I was growing up in life, you want to work in something that's a necessity in life, which is like water, a suit, air conditioning is kind of a necessity around here, you know, because it gets pretty hot, stuff in that matter. Soon as this economy tanks, which I believe it will because of all this free money, this pool stuff is going to be the first to go. You know, what has happened over here is um, we actually have a record year all high in the pool industry. So we never seen anything like this in our, in our lives. That was because of the pandemic. People were staying home yeah. saying no vacations. Let's throw a pool exactly. in. Exactly. Yep. So the pandemic happened and I'm going, okay. I'm going to have to go back in the air conditioning or something because, you know, in my opinion, people are going to be smart. They're going to save money because they don't know what's going to happen. And the exact thing opposite happened. People stayed home. Kids, they didn't know what to do with their kids. Everybody wanted a pool. Now, my only concern is, is that everybody that I know of from the data and statistics that I look at is everyone refinanced that lower interest rate. And they took all that money, the equity that was in their house. Threw it in the backyard. And they took that alone and threw it in the backyard. Well, over here, people are throwing $200,000 in their backyard that they're never going to get back. Yeah. Right. Okay. They got a great backyard. But like I said, you know, within five years, I'm going to be over there replacing pumps, replacing all, giving them a $5,000 bid because it just never ends with the pool. And what keeps me busy is the technology stuff in this trade. I can make your whole backyard work on your iPhone. And that's where I come into play because not a lot of people know how to do that correctly. When I say correctly, a lot of guys know how to hook up some wires and get things to work, but they're not installed correctly in the way they need to be done. Yep. Yeah, it's not that simple anymore. Now you got LED lighting, you mm -hmm. got, you know, water features, you got all sorts of pumps and pH levels and all the stuff that can all be controlled by your phone. You know, the pool industry has come a long way from where it was. And it sounds like you're keeping up with the times by doing this stuff. I think that's, that's amazing, but you're right. A whole nother learning curve, whole nother, you know, uh, you're set a, of skills. You're electrician, you're a plumber, yeah. you're an HVAC, you're like five trades in one. Yeah. <laughs> but if the pool industry tanks, you could just sell skateboards, right? <laughs> just drain them all out and just everybody starts skating. <laughs> Uh, you know, if it tanks, yeah, I'm I'm probably going to go back to my dad and say, Daddy, you were right. <laughs> you were right. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's the thing. I, I would have still been working with my dad if I wasn't so much like my father because we yeah. never get along. But he also needs to understand that, hey, you know, I'm a punk. I'm, I was a punk ass kid back then. I thought I knew everything. I thought you were making all this money and I was only making a measly $22 an hour. And I had this big attitude chip on my shoulder, in, in which any son does when the daddy is the owner of the company. Right. You yeah. know, but I had to learn the hard way. Unfortunately, it took me a lot 
longer than most people. But now when I talk to him and stuff, you know, I could see a lot of things that he had to go through now that I'm on the other end of the, the stick as well. And I'm like, damn, you know, it's not as easy. And the grass isn't always greener on the other side. There's a lot of stress owning any type of business in any industry by yourself. Man, you feel like you got to constantly be working because you don't know if there's going to be more work. And even though if I look back and go, okay, well, I never had a day off for the past five years. But in the constant in your head, you know that day is going to come where the economy is not doing so well anymore. And people are going to make that. They're going to say, okay, hmm, that, that pump that I normally get for two grand, let me go see if I can get that thing for $700 on Craigslist. You know, that kind of stuff will start to happen because like I said, a lot of people think this is going to last forever. I truly don't. I think all this free money has a repercussion. Not seen it yet, but I said we're about a year out for pool building minimum. So we'll probably see it here in a, on my end, probably within the next two years. Yep. On yep. That. But let me tell you how we build a pool over here. Yeah. We'd yeah. love to. We'd love to. Well, California is great when it comes to inspections and permits. Anything they could think of, that's going to be a requirement. And then <laughs> the city also, they get to pick up on whatever they think is a requirement too. It's fun building a pool in California. We're up in the Northeast. We, yeah. we know, you know what you're going through. Yeah, it's like ridiculous. And I'll tell you some of our requirements, which get thrown out as soon as they pass inspection. But the first thing you would do is like, we design a pool on the software. It's called a pool studio. And, you know, you can get that software for like $300 a month. And, and, and we build all kinds of crazy stuff. From there, it goes to you could uh, the plans and then we pull the permits. And as soon as all that gets approved, okay, we're going to dig. But you think as a pool builder, these guys do everything in-house. They don't. They're nothing but the designer, the guy who makes the plans, and they sub everything out. There might be one or two companies in my whole state that actually have a couple things in-house. To build a pool and keep it in these low price ranges, which is not even low anymore, when, you know, we're at 70K for the bare minimum, you have to sub out because with California, we got workman's comp, we got all kinds of insurances, payroll and all that stuff to where to keep the cost down, we, there's no way we could have anybody in house. And up until to now, there really wasn't enough work to keep everybody in house. So we dig a pool. And after that goes, we normally put the rebar in, you know, we steal it and then we plumb it. And then when we plumb it, we tie the plumbing to the rebar. Got it. Some guys will plumb it and then they'll do some steel and then they'll plumb a little bit that needs to get attached to the rebar. And then after that, we just pressure test it. You know, we run our gas line, we run our electrical, and then we pressure test all those lines. And as soon as that passes, we'll go ahead and we'll shoot it with shot crude or gun knife. How do you pressure test it? What do you just run like a, a gauge on one end and like mm -hmm. a compressor on the other end? A lot of guys like to use uh, water. On the plumbing side, I use water. On the gas side, I use air. And all we're doing is capping off all the lines. And then at the actual equipment, we make a manifold where all that stuff kind of tees in. Yeah. And then we put a gauge on there. And then our gauge actually has a little valve on there where you can put either water or air in it. And then same with our gas line. We'll run the line. We'll cap one in. We'll put a gauge on there. And we'll actually put air in the gas line. I hope nobody puts water in the gas line. 
<laughs> just a pressure test that. And yeah. the same thing with the uh, lights now. Like our lights now are about the size of the palm of your hand and they go through inch and a half PVC pipe. There's no more big old light niches anymore. Yeah. Yep. And we do 12 volt lighting over here. It's better than throw 120 volts in the pool with a GFI. <laughs> you know, here's what's so funny. It's like, we'll throw a pool light in the pool. It's 120 volts. And we're relying on this $20 GFI to uh, trip in case any type of, any type of current leaking inside. But oh, that's another thing I left out too, was the bonding. We bond the hell out of these pools, which means is we're just running bare copper wire to two points of each side of each pool. And it's grounded. Yeah. You want to be careful what you say about ground. There's, there's earths and there's grounds. Yeah. And then some people might say, well, there's earths and ground and then there's bonding. Yes. But all we're doing is we're making the pool the same potential as the outside, basically, to anyone who's listening. I don't want to sound like Elon Musk here when it comes to bonding. <laughs> Grits, no, but no, basically, no. basically, we're making it the same potential. So, like, think of yourself as a battery. If you're on the negative end and then you touch the a positive you're not really at the same potential because now you're grinding yourself and now you're on the power side you're making yourself the same potential to where you are pretty much a part of that current so you won't feel anything but it all depends on bonnie's not 100 percent. so like i had a call two weeks ago where the kids jumped in the water and they said our toes and hands are tingling every time we jump in the water okay this pool is Straight to code. Everything's 100% straight to code. And it's bonded like crazy. So all that bond wire is, you know, eight gauge to six gauge, depending on the city, to the rebar. And so why were their hands tingling and why were their feet tingling? Well, there was a conduit line that had nothing to do with the pool equipment or the pool. It was going to the garage. And that conduit line broke. Well. When that kind of light broke, the power was still live. What do you think all that steel and all that bonding conducted it? Exactly. That's crazy. So, bonding's not always 100% because you're thinking about <laughs> lightning strikes and all this shit, which right. we never get in California. Okay. So, yeah. So, on something like that, it's like, great. Okay. So, we got bonding going on here. Well, this bonding, all that did to do was provide a path for that electrical break straight to the pool and it was about 40 feet away so for anybody that doesn't know electricity electricity follows the path of least resistance so yeah that's crazy that's awesome yeah and when you say that the electricians that are listening are going to say no it follows any path but <laughs> same thing what happened is yeah if it went to that path and the less resistance the more milliamps that i'm going to have in that pool How'd you figure that out? Did you just start flipping breakers until the tingling went away? Yeah, because everyone goes, hey, Brandon, you're an electrical genius when it comes to this stuff. Well, I'm very good at troubleshooting because HVAC is a lot of troubleshooting. Right. And uh, it's the same stuff. Other than me moving air, I'm moving water, you know, and heating air or heating water. So I had to actually call my uncle on that one who's freaking electrical madman. And also I called my... Uh, Pentair rep, which he wasn't always a rep until recently. He, he was a, a technical warranty guy. He was number one in Southern California. So I'm measuring and I'm going, okay, 
I can't figure it out where it's coming from. So that's exactly what he told me to do. He, he said, just start flipping breakers until you see the current go away in the pool. Cause all I'm doing is I'm got my one test lead on at the panel on my, on my uh, bond. And I got the other test lead in the, in the water. In the water. The yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. That's crazy. That's an awesome diag. Yeah. So we flipped off a breaker and okay, we're like, okay, well it's gone now. Okay. Well, where the hell does that breaker go to? And then the homeowner goes, Oh, it might go over here where they chop this line up and they replace the line for me. Mm-hmm. I go, okay. So we dug and there, there it was. They replaced the line, but they forgot to make that line that they replaced it with dead. So it was still hooked up when they ran the new line. Wow. You know, and it's just things like that. So nothing's a hundred percent. So now we're doing GFCI breakers on all the equipment which is great. I understand that. Would that have tripped the breaker? Not on the pool side. Okay. So like I said, nothing's a hundred percent. If that conduit line had a GFCI, the one going to the garage. Right. Yes. It would have tripped. Yeah. It would have tripped, but then you're dealing with GFCIs and they can have a brain of their own and they can trip when you don't need them to trip. So you're constantly resetting a breaker. So that's one of those things is <laughs> should we start GFCI anything that surrounds the pool too? Because nothing's a hundred percent when you got something like that. Cause that's when I asked my uncle, like, what's the point of all this bonding and stuff? If all I did was just create a freaking death tank <laughs> yes, with yeah. all this steel and all this bonding. But you're following code and that's the way yeah. it's gotta be. Yeah. He goes, Brandon, that's been a debate for a long time. He goes, it protects this, but it made a path for this. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, all right. So I'm like, damn. You know, I grew up my whole life thinking everybody had shit figured out. And I'm starting to realize they don't have anything figured out more than I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and we try our best, but nothing's 100% on when it comes to that stuff. But it's great because, like, that bond wire from the pool goes all the way to the pool motors. It gets attached to the pool motors and all that stuff. Say something uh, electrical arc was to happen on my pool motor, that's going to create so much of an amperage draw. That's going to trip a breaker like that. Right, right. So yep. stuff like that is great for it. But, you know, you know I'm starting to learn like, hey, OK, well, nothing's 100 percent here, especially with that story that I just told you. Was all of your electrical work, was that all learned on on the job? This is fascinating that, you know, to bring it back to, you know, how you grew up. I took a job. Same guy that I met. His name is Robert. He told me, hey, for six hundred dollars, I need you to trench a line, put a time clock here and all that stuff. And I don't know why, but I said, you know, 21, maybe I was 24, maybe I was 25. I can't remember. Uh, but back then, that was a lot of money for 24, 25-year-old kid. And he told me it was only going to take me a day or two. So I started digging in the trench. And then I, and I ran the lines like he told me. Yeah. But when it came to the electrical part, I said, oh, shit. Now, now what do I do? I don't know how to hook this up. So I called my dad. <laughs> And he came in within an hour or two and he started yelling at me because I took a job to where I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And uh, he showed me how to do it. And then ever since he showed me how to do it there, I was able to figure out everything uh, by myself from there. But uh, after I got drilled for uh, taking a job, don't ever take a job if you don't know what you're doing. That's wild because I'm in automotive and, you know, I learned my stuff through a trade school and through military training. It was awesome. I felt like 
learning the theories, learning Ohm's law, right. learning all this stuff was super beneficial to right. not only what I do, but a lot of electricians will cringe, but I've started to be able to branch out from a 24 volt system to now, you know, working with my own home electrical and stuff like that. Right. It's amazing that, you know, that was one thing other than being able to work with my hands, take something apart and put it back together right. was understanding electricity and, you know, having this, you know, essentially being able to respect it. Right. Right. And, and I have this huge respect for, it. I never wanted to touch home electrical, but now, you know, I'm changing out fixtures and everything, but doing it right. I mean, I have knob and tube in my farmhouse right now. And I'm just like, Oh God, dude, it's, it's awful. Everything run everywhere. Uh -huh. It's just stapled to, you know, beams. Now I kind of understand, you know, how to do things right. Yes. I'm not licensed. Yes. I'm not, you know, certified in that field. However, it allows me to get my job done. And, you know, right. we won't speak to that for all the electricians out there. Yeah. Like, well, that's a lot of things too. It's like when I'm on Instagram, it's like, are you certified for this, certified oh, for that? The warriors. Well, well, yeah, but in, in the state of California, all you need is a C53, and that allows me to do everything I want with a pool. Okay, so that's just a contractor's license. And, right. Uh, now, other states have certifications just for the gas only. Yeah. And this and that, you know, which we have certifications for the gas too, which I got like 10 years ago. But basically we don't have that many certifications other than you have to have your contractor's license and the gas cert, but the gas cert, you know, everyone goes with these certifications and you know, that gas cert, it took me uh, four hours and that doesn't make me any more qualified than, than most people with these little classes that you take to get a certification card. That just means now I'm certified to really screw shit up. <laughs> you know, you're a hundred percent right. I don't want it to happen. I do want it to happen. I don't know where I fall, but like, you know, electricians and GCs and plumbers, they have all these mm -hmm. certifications. Mechanics have zero. We have what's called ASE, which is like right. this automotive service excellence, which is like, hey, they took these classes and they have a certificate, but that's a private company. Like it's not required right. by the state. So any Joe can work on your car. Right. And that's another thing too, is these certifications. Okay. Where are you getting these certifications from? Right. Because right. my state requires this. Okay. Oh, you, you're doing what a lot of people do in every industry. Uh, this guy turned 70 years old, still needed income and said, well, shit, I can't do pools anymore. Let me make a, a webinar and class series and give these guys a patch when they pass <laughs> my classes. I, you know, I've been to all these classes and tell you the truth. It makes you a little bit more book smart. Yeah. And you'll know more about the code requirements and stuff like that, which I'm not too worried about code requirements. I know all the codes. I've been doing this for years and you get to know all this stuff just by being out on the field. These books aren't going to teach you everyday life scenarios on what to do and what not to do and how the world turns. And Hey, if I touch this and don't do it like this, all the liabilities and stuff involved, these guys that get this stuff, any knowledge is good knowledge, but that doesn't make you a master at your professional job because you spent 16 hours uh, at a webinar or, or went to a, a class. Sometimes those guys are actually end up 
you know, bouncing from job to job because they're good test takers and they don't really have on the job experience. And it's unfortunate. I don't want to dog anybody that does well in these tests or has the credentials. I mean, that's not what we're here to do, but you're right. These classes don't teach you how to troubleshoot. No, they don't teach you what to look for. And a lot of them are detrimental to somebody that I'm trying to train because it's like, okay, dude, this guy just told you how to do something. That's going to take you an hour. (laughs) my way is going to take you 10 minutes and we can get the hell on going and going on to the next call. This is real life, brother. We can't spend an hour here and testing things when I'll show you the, like a heater. A lot of people don't know how heaters work. And it's basically, Hey, if you don't get this, then what's the last command for it? Because there's all sensors and, and there's all the circuit board telling how the heater to operate. So you know, if you hear that gas valve click and it doesn't ignite, okay? So you know the last command was that gas valve to turn on. You heard it click. Right. Okay? So let's not test all the hundreds of components before that gas valve. We know all those components work because if those components didn't work, that damn gas valve wouldn't try to turn on. Well, it's experience. It's experience too, yeah. So we know, hey, let's check for gas and then let's check all the commands after that gas valve, like the hot cervix and niter. And, and stuff in that nature, you know, and that's what I teach my guys is like, okay, let's do this. Let's compartmentalize here. Let's not think about all the other stuff. That stuff already works. So let's not think about that. And, but if you went to one of those classes, you would be starting from command A all the way to Y when you already knew why it worked so you can get to Z. And it's just like, okay, but it's hard for these guys to learn because there's not a lot of people out there that that are like me that are willing to go on Instagram for four hours a day and and tell these guys, Hey, do it this way. So they don't, the only outlets that they do have are these classes and um, the literature that they get, but you know, there should be some type of book. That's just like basically the Bible for our trade instead of going about different authors, because if I read this guy's book and then this guy's book and that guy's book, there's a lot of discrepancies from all the people teaching these certifications. And they're they're all not the same, you know? Oh yeah. So one question we have for you is so, and this may go way back, but what's the number one thing that you know now that you wish you knew when you were just getting into this trade? How to properly make money. (laughs) (laughs) i would sell my whole soul for two dollars back then whole thing is i was working my tail off making everyone happy and then at the end of the day i think i would make 150 bucks and and then years go by and you're like well crap it cost me 125 to live you know and everybody's charging this amount and uh, they're nowhere near as good as i am so like a heater for instance most people not everybody but most will buy five parts and and pray that the thing turns on um, because they don't know how to troubleshoot or or what to look for. (laughs) Throw parts at it, right? Yeah. Throw parts at it and the damn thing will eventually work. And, you know, nine times out of 10, it will. Yeah. So, you know, here's me getting the right part, only one part, spending my time going down to the distributor, you know, getting the part, coming back. That's a lot of things too. It's like the homeowners don't think about that part. Yeah. Time is money. Yeah, like, yeah, I got to go down to the distributor. I got to go get it. And then most of the time I have it in my van. But then again, 
you know, some of these parts I'm sitting on for a month, month and a half and out thousands and thousands of dollars until I get that call to use all these parts that I've stocked up, you know, I kind of wish they would think a little bit more on when we build them like, Hey, this, it's not just that I came here and it took me 15 minutes to turn on. It's been years and years and years of me working on this stuff. And I can sit here for an hour and twiddle my thumbs, or I can just fix this thing in 15 minutes and grab the part out of my van. And if I could go back, that's the first thing I would wish I learned is how to properly charge people. Yeah. That's a slippery slope too, because, you know, with everything is, you know, do you hit them up front with all these parts? And like you said, you pray nine out of 10 times it works. So you have a high bill, right? Or is your bill like essentially labor packed because you're charging for your time, but you know, it's got like an $18 switch on it. You know what I mean? It's not even that it's just now you got to explain it to the customer with all these parts. You're like, Oh, I had to do this, this, and this. And they understand that. But like for you, it may take two, three, four hours of diag, which, you know, I don't know what you guys charge, but for us, it was like a hundred bucks an hour. Right. So now it's $300 in labor for an $18 part. And they just can't comprehend that. I guess the sales aspect, the, the customer service aspect, trying to figure it, figure that out. That plays a huge role. I mean, how many of your guys are good at customer facing roles? You know what I mean? They're, they're not in the pool industry. Few are good at what they do and, and very few are good at the business aspects of the industry. Very few. And, and like what I do is because not to sound cocky or anything, but I'm, I'm up there. I'm in the top, whatever you would want to call it when it comes to doing pool equipment and anything technical. You're pool king. Yeah, I know I'm up there with those other guys. So what I do is I tell people straight up and, and you got to understand too, is like, I'm not a car mechanic and I'm not an electrician. I'm in the pool industry and that's a peon industry. To, you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, the electrician is coming and he's wiring up a, a three-phase panel. It's no, the pool boy's coming here, you know, and, <laughs> in case. So yeah, yeah. You know, you know that, what I mean? that sucks. That sucks. And that's what I'm trying to change on my Instagram is like the number one thing is don't call yourself a pool guy. I want to get out of that whole realm because there's guys like me that are very technical. We, we know all the aspects of, of everything. And there's a lot of aspects in this water that you just couldn't believe that we need to start uh, respecting ourselves and, and stop screaming pool boy every time we open the, the gate to go in someone's uh, backyard just by doing that alone brings more to the industry and more respect you right know? right we had to get out of that same thing it's weird for us but like we were grease monkeys we were mechanics we were whatever and now there was this huge revamping of the culture and now we're automotive technicians automotive service technicians I mean, it's still weird because people will always say, I need to bring my car to the mechanic. So it, it's hard to get away from that. It's way better than, hey, the pool boys come. <laughs> hey, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. It's just like any industry. Like with your industry, uh, you can be the best mechanic in the world. And you'll still get those customers that say, well, uh, Junior down the street will do it for $75. You know? Okay. Or you'll have the mobile mechanic guy. Or you got the guy who are doing it out of his own garage, out of his house. And those guys are the type that bring the professionalism of that industry 
down because they're not doing things that you and I would have how I would be done. They don't own the equipment or the overhead or all the stuff that comes with doing things right and professionally. Yeah, they're saving money, but they're not getting the job done better if they were to go with you. There's no warranty, not even that, like labor warranty, parts warranty. Um, and it's usually fly by night too. Right, right. And and those are your parts changers. And yeah, no, 100%. So now we kind of want to move to something a little lighter. Yeah. But once we do all this learning about you, learning about work and everything, we always want to know outside of work, when you get to unplug, which sounds like it's probably rare and probably never, <laughs> what's the one thing that you like to do that has nothing to do with anything being a pool technician, electric, any of the stuff we talked about today, what's your kind of unwind? Well, you pin that on the head. I don't have an unwind yet. My whole life has always been in fear that I'm going to be broke. So I take on the work as soon as I can, as fast as I can. And I'm always going on to the next job, going on the next job. So even on my downtime, I'm trying to organize and get things ready so I can get stuff going for those upcoming jobs that need to get done. And when I do have downtime, you know, I got to do laundry because I'm tired of wearing the same box of grease for three days. <laughs> and uh, That's a new one. So for laundry, us. laundry. I enjoy doing laundry. That's well, awesome. I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy it. I just, I can't wear the same box of grease for three days. Yeah. Well, well you, you know? could, you could. I could. <laughs> well, there's, the, you got to wear them right side out, inside out. What's the third four option? Days. That's four days. No, front, words, back. Well, that's the problem because then I lose track of the insides and outsides. And, <laughs> and then I got to clean out and organize a van and, and write a restock list. And by that time, the new jobs come back in and you know my girlfriend she's on me on a lot about going out and doing things and you know a lot of other guys will tell you to the work's always going to be there you know but you know how did I get here because 2009 happened and I had to leave an HVAC industry to come here to make money so my head is like it's not always going to be this good. So I'll work as much as I can. If you're a business owner, I don't believe in downtime or, or fun time. I, I understand if you can go take, go off for a couple of days and go do stuff, you know, that's cool and that's needed. But even when you're out for a couple of days, I, I don't see how you can just drop the phone and, and not keep business still rolling because it just never ends with any of this stuff. And you're just piling on a bunch of work for when you get back from your vacation that's my whole thing. This is my passion. So then downtime, on time, off time is, is enjoyable. Yeah. I wouldn't be doing half of the stuff I do if I didn't have the passion for it. And that's the whole thing about the Instagram too, is I got so sick of this industry being so minimalized. I made my own Instagram and, and that Instagram has a plan. Like right now it's just, okay. Let me show you some tips. Let's talk about this. And then let's laugh on a different post. But the whole end goal of Instagram is because as we were talking about certifications and stuff earlier, I want to get these guys trained right. There's so many times I hear about, well, I've been doing this for 30 years. Well, I understand that. But as we all grow older, we start to understand that just because our parents raised us doesn't mean they raised us right. 100%. Just because your mentor that taught you, brought you into these pools, you got to understand where he learned it from. And that's not the correct right way and procedures to do things. 
And that's what the whole Instagram is about. Cause sooner or later I'm going to do webinars and classes and all this stuff because these pool guys didn't come from a, a trade like I did, you know, all they know is what they were taught from another pool guy. And it's always the wrong way, but that's the only way they know how of doing. That's the thesis of Bucket Pool Talk. University. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. But that's the thesis of our whole podcast is the fact that like, you know, we want to empower the upcoming, the newcomers, or even people that are stagnant. I, I say on multiple podcasts that like wrenching for 15 years and doing the same things in and out, I was like, there's got to be more to it. And I turned, like you said, to Instagram, TikTok and all these things and started making videos and it is a little discouraging, like you said. I saw a meme the other day where, you know, the flaming arrows and the guys just standing there dodging it. And it's like, you know, you do something to get Mrs. Johnson home. It may not be the right thing in, in the eyes of the automotive industry, but it was the right thing at the time, right? And then you just get, you get crucified on Instagram. No one crucifies me more than my own trade. And it's not about my work. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, who's not a technician of any sort, this is freaking mind-blowing. We're super excited. The reason we wanted to have you on here is, you know, it's clear you stand out. Like, you're the, the person people can look to as they're looking to figure out how to navigate the trade, you know, how to do certain things. Yeah, I've been called I've been called a pool boy poster child lately. And, and it's just like, okay, I'll take that. At the end of the day, I just want everyone to be so professional. I don't want to have to walk in the backyard anymore and be like, oh, my God, Again, that's just like two calls a day for me where I'm just like, why? Why would you why would you do it like this? Just why? You made it 10 times harder on yourself. It looks like garbage and, and everything else. And just like today, I posted that plumbing job that I did and I painted the pipes. Yep. Yep. I saw that uh, actually. I learned a long time ago that probably California and Arizona and maybe Texas are the only ones that paint the PVC. And then I'll get a lot of comments today. We're like, why do you paint the PVC, the Hydra blue marks? And we're like, no, dude, that's actually code in, in my region where we have to paint the PVC. But even if it didn't, I still do anyways because it's, it looks so much nicer. Um, it's cleaner and, and all that stuff. But I, you know, you get these comments, you're like, okay, how do you break these guys out of doing the bare minimum and and, and and in these comments you can tell they're so used to doing the bare minimum that they actually don't see the issue when they're writing you a comment and on your instagram they're literally telling you why do you you know just something that's painting the pipes they're making a big deal that i paint the pipes instead of going wow that looks nice maybe i'll buy a four dollar can of spray paint and, and and show my customers what i do on the job but you know but they don't see it. They can't open their mind up to it or to say, okay, how can I be different or how can I be better? It's more like, oh, that's just extra five minutes of, of work. And, you know, and it's just like, no, dude, you want to be the best you can be and you want to make things nice to where the customer goes, oh, crap, he even painted it. Yep. You yep. know? Well, at this point, I want to thank you for your time on this podcast. It's been unbelievable you stand out in the pool community as a pool technician i think it's it's unbelievable and at this time i want to give you a, a chance to 
you know, say anything, plug anything, something that you've been working on, and, you know, just kind of let people know where they can go for the next step. Is it follow, you know, mostly is it follow you on Instagram and there are other things they should do or. For right now, you know, I have a uh, Instagram is pool underscore evolution, um, pool evolution for TikTok as well. I don't spend that much time on TikTok anymore. And I have a YouTube channel, which is pool evolution. The YouTube channel, I probably throw out a couple of videos here and there, and it's just product videos about products and and what they offer and what you want to look for when you're installing them and basically you know if this product is is good or not but other than that you know if anyone's out there listening and if you're in the pool industry you know i'm here for you just message me on instagram i can get you on the right path if that's a career that you might want to pursue these other trades out there listening you know we're starting to figure out that a lot of our trades are a lot of the same issues here and uh and the, for the ones that are listening that are professional, you know, just let you know you're, you're not alone. Even the pool boy has issues um, <laughs> in, his, in his trade. So let's, you know, hopefully uh, we could all unite and, you know, get things going to where we think they, they should be. But I appreciate you guys, man. I'm still wearing those boots, those, uh, those ringers. And, uh, you know, they're good. They're good that they, you know, they've been through it already. They're lasting. They just don't look pretty anymore. Yeah, you know. So. <laughs> just like us. Just like us. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole thing is like, for me, I don't have any downtime. So I want to wear some nice boots. But man, you know, I'm gluing pipe all day. And then I look down, I'm like, well, you know, somehow I got glue all over them and spray paint <laughs> and everything else. I'm like, well, shoot. Oh, well. Well, we'll have to send you another pair. So when you when you <laughs> get that time out with your girlfriend, you can throw a fresh set on and not, not all glued up and sprayed and all that shit. Yeah, you know, we'll say that for another podcast. I'm still surprised she hasn't left me yet. But, <laughs> well, Brandon, you know. I appreciate your time. This has been unbelievable. Thank you for coming on Bucket Talk. Oh, appreciate it, man. <laughs>